Grassland Football Podcast. We'll go behind the scenes with Jayhawk Slant, the online leader, covering KU football and recruiting. Now, here's the staff from JayhawkSlant.com, Randy Withers and John Kirby. Hey, everybody, this is Randy Withers. Welcome into another edition of Bye Week edition of the Inside Slant podcast from jayhawkslant.com. This is a foot, another football-only edition, and believe me, we have got a great show lined up for you. I'll be joined by my partner, John Kirby, here in just a few minutes as we're going to discuss several topics. But right now, we have breaking news that has just developed minutes ago David Abajan, an offensive lineman from California, just gave his commitment to Lance Leipold and the Kansas Jayhawks. Kirby had a chance to talk with him about his decision. I'm going to send it right over to the studio line right now where you're going to hear from the newest Kansas football commit. We are joined by offensive lineman David Abajan from Chaminade High School in California who minutes ago just announced his verbal commitment to Kansas. David, how you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm just I'm just happy and blessed to be where I'm at. Well, absolutely. This is a bye week for the football team, so you are delivering like the big news right now of the week. You know, just take me through your decision and your timeline, and then when you started connecting with the Kansas staff again. Yeah, so, on, so throughout my whole recruiting process, you know, they always let me know how much they like me as a player and, you know, how much I could benefit their program and how much I could thrive you know originally circumstances happened and I committed elsewhere and you know they uh they never really um made it not known how much they liked me you know even after I was committed they still um would talk to me and let me know that you know if you want a spot at Kansas you know it's still going to be there for you and you know um after after a while of my uh, original commitment, you know, um, I eventually had a, I eventually decommitted because, yeah, throughout my whole recruiting process, they always let me know how much I was a priority to them and how much they wanted me and how much I could thrive under their program. And, you know, it was a thin margin between Kansas and Oregon State when it came to my original commitment. And, you know, I uh, I picked Oregon State because I thought at the time it would be the best fit for me. But, you know, um, things happened and uh, things got brought to my attention that was alarming with my commitment to Oregon State. So I thought at the time it was just best for me to step away from my commitment there. And Kansas at the time has been re- was reaching out to me and letting me know that, you know, I still have a spot. I still have a spot there. And, you know, if, if you ever want to become a Jayhawk, I, you can. And, you know... I'm just I'm grateful that they allowed me to take my time throughout my whole process and you know work with me and let me know that that they want me and kept on reassuring me and you know staying in touch with me on a daily basis and you know it, it got to a point where you know I just knew that Kansas was home it was just a matter of time before I made it official. You know, when the Kansas staff started to reconnect with you, just talk about, you know, who, what coaches or people on staff were you talking to and how'd that all get going again? Yeah, so um, 
I would say it was in sometime in mid-August. You know, Coach Island Ionello uh, reached out to me and just you know wanted to check up on me and just uh, ask ask if we could keep open communications. And you know, I, I was I was up for it. So I said yeah, and you know he would hop on FaceTime calls with me and talk to me all the time and just you know check up on me and let me know how much how much the school wants me to become a Jayhawk and how much the football team likes me. And yeah. All right. So tell me how it went down when you called somebody, who who did you call to tell you wanted to commit and what was their reaction? Yeah. So, um, uh, really when it happened was when I let coach Island know that, you know, I'm going to be decommitting from Oregon state and, you know, I'm going to be reopening my recruitment. You know, that's kind of when, that's kind of when um, it, it became a reality that, you know, I'm eventually going to flip to a Kansas. So, you know, once I decommitted, he um, he stayed patient with me, and he let me know, you know, if if you ever want to make an official here, just let me know, and I I can uh, put you on a phone call with Coach Leifold and Coach Books, and you can just um, we could just make it happen. So, you know, um, it, it took time, but eventually, you know, I. I let them know that, you know, this is what I want. And, you know, this is like my 100% solid decision. So he, uh, he set up the phone call and we made it official on Saturday. So I, w- I want to go back to the official visit, David. Just tell me about it, what, what you learned about the program and what stood out to KU when you went on your visit. So, yeah, I, uh, I originally visited there in um, April on an unofficial visit right. where, you know, I got the campus a lot and I went back I went back on my official visit again and you know just really just just showing me around the campus you know uh, my my intended major is going to be business so just you know them taking me into the business um, building um, and you know having a meeting with one of the business people there and just talking me through there talking me through that and also showing me Show me all their floor plans for the new fo- football facilities that they plan on building, and just and just being able to spend time with the coaches and talking with them, and just talking about ball and how I can fit in their system. So I, I have to ask you this. I mean, I know you've been through this once, and and you've made your commitment, and you say this is final. How does this feel to you, especially to get this done during your season, but know know that you've got your future home. You know, it feels great, you know, especially especially being a part of a uh, a football program that's on the uprising, you know. There's definitely a little little extra bit of motivation and, you know, extra bit of drive as 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 a player to be uh to want to be a part of something like that. So, you know, it's um it's definitely a good feeling, you know, getting this getting this weight off my shoulder and just knowing that this is what I want and you know, it's going to happen. Well, David, congratulations. Really appreciate you joining us on the show. And I know the Kansas fans, you're going to make everybody's day during the bye week. Of course. Kirby, that is how we do an intro to the podcast. Get right into breaking news and a big-time commitment. This is this is an offensive line prospect this staff really wanted. They did, Randy. They wanted him from day one. Fuchs really liked him. You know, Kansas stayed on him from the beginning. They were, and I said this on the board, I really thought this was a two-team race back when he picked Oregon State originally. Mm -hmm. But 
it, it wasn't to be. He opened up his recruiting recently. I know there were several schools on him, a lot of schools in the back Pac-12 that came in on him. And you heard him talk about Rob Ionello. I mean, Ionello was yes. a big part of this recruiting. I think Ionello jump-started it, kind of got in touch with him back in August, stayed on him. Uh, you know, then Fuchs and Leipold jumped in. But, you know, an, another deal, team effort. And listen, you know, and I'm going to bring this up because on Hawk Talk, you know, I thought it was interesting. You know, Rob Ionello was the guest on Hawk Talk and, and Michael Painter, who's the director of football operations, they were on Hawk Talk because Leipold's out recruiting. And, you know, these guys all are a big team. And, you know, Rob Ionello now, he, he's been named top 10, top 25 recruiter in the nation in his days as a coach. So I'm just saying it was a, it was a good tag team by everybody involved. And again, it's being thorough. It's being on top of it. And this is a, a great pickup. Now that we've gotten the recruiting news out of the way, all the, you know, maybe the, the really fun stuff, you know, it's the bye week. There's no game this Saturday, and and the Jayhawks are coming off a a really tough loss uh, after going on the road to Stillwater and losing to Oklahoma State. What were your takeaways from the game last Saturday? That was a tough one, Randy. Mm-hmm. That, that was a tough one for me just to watch and write about, and just I, they had. I mean, there were times. You know, Randy, when you watch a football game, you always go, it's like tug of war, right? An advantage Uh goes this way or an advantage goes a little this way. I never felt that Oklahoma State was going to pull away from the game. I thought there were chances that Kansas had to pull away from the game. You know, they're, what is it, 32-27. They've got the ball down at the 19-yard line. You know, Bean goes for the home run there at the goal line. It gets picked off. And the momentum change, and trust me, this is not a knock on Jason Bean. That is a that is one of the best backup quarterbacks in the country. That kid threw for 400 yards, and, no question. And, and he went in and did everything asked of him. I'm sure there was you know there was a tip ball that was picked. I'm sure he'd love to have that throwback. But boy, they find a way to score there. Not even a touchdown. Let's say they just settle for three, and it's 35-27. Okay, so now you're still up eight. And and you're you're still in control of the game, and then they've got to answer. And I just felt like that took all the momentum away. Um, I I said this going in, Randy. I said this. I said it on the last podcast. I said it on the message board. I said Oklahoma State is a proud program, and mm-hmm. they were not going to let Devin Neal and Daniel Hyshaw come in there into their house and run it all over them, and they didn't. They stacked the box. I said Jason Bean was going to have to make some throws, and I'm telling you, he did. You go back and watch that film. There were some third and sevens, third and nines. Jason Bean made some really nice throws to convert. Absolutely, he some, did. Some, some third and longs that he put balls in good spots. There's just those one or two plays you wish you could have back. So, you know, hey, give Oklahoma State credit. They they moved the ball well on KU's defense. They A good running game. They kind of, you know, put KU in some tough spots in the open field where they had advantages. And, and you know, Oklahoma State's kind of righted the ship a little bit. You know, they found a quarterback. They've knocked off KU and K-State. They're going to West Virginia. I think it's like a three-point line out there. Heck, they could go out there and win. So, Boy, that was a chance to to win one in Stillwater, and it slipped away. That game was there for the taking. But hey, you learn from it, you move on. And I joke that you know this is 
the bye week comes now. You just got to, we all got to just sit here and wait for that Oklahoma game. And after a game like that, you just wish they could play some football. But hey, it is what it is, you know, and Stillwater is still, the demons are still in Stillwater. You, you can't get over that hump right now. You're exactly right. I mean, that Boone Pickens Stadium has been a house of horrors for the Kansas Jayhawks. I mean, obviously, this was an extremely close game, but there were there were plays that absolutely had Kansas fans pulling their hair out and saying, here we go again. And yeah, just as as disappointing as as it could possibly be. You know, we're going to get into the rest of the schedule here in a few minutes. John's going to give his takes on what the last five games look like, and, and we'll give a re- update on recruiting as well. But before we do all that, we're going to bring in Matt Gildersleeve, the Jayhawks head of strength and conditioning, is our next guest. We are joined by Matt Gildersleeve, who is the director of sports performance for KU football. Coach Sleeve, man, thanks for joining us. How you doing? Doing, doing outstanding, and, and as always, it's a privilege to talk to you, John, and, and uh, any chance I get, I'm, I'm more than happy to have a conversation, so I really appreciate you having me. Well, I know everybody will, all of our KU football hardcore fans will love what you have to say, so you guys are in a bye week. Is there anything different for you? What's your schedule like in a bye week? Yeah, I think I think that there's there's different perspectives of, of bye weeks, um, probably especially in the sports performance world is... I think, and maybe even myself at a younger, younger time in my career, is some coaches look at, at bye weeks as um, what a great opportunity where there's not a lot of football being played, practices aren't maybe as intense. Let's really get after these guys in the weight room um, and take advantage of it. My my mindset is, is is quite opposite, where where I believe that if you've done your job of training through the, the tough times of season, which it is challenging to, to train and train heavy the way you need to, to stay strong and fast and, and physical in the ways that we need to. I think you have to take advantage of this week to dissipate fatigue. Um, if you want a chance to be able to look in, into, into the later t- parts of season of December um, and January, if, if you roll through this week and you don't do a good job to try to dissipate some fatigue and you, you end up just trying to create more and look at it as a green light, um, I think you've kind of missed the boat on what this week can, can be. So um, practice-wise, we're, we're still practicing, and we are hammering home details and, and doing a lot of things and giving some of the young guys some more opportunities to go out and take reps. And, and it's a little bit of the same in the weight room. The guys that have taken a lot of snaps for this year, they're doing a lot of, of, of movement patterning and just getting them bending and, and getting better fluid and fluidity in, in their movements. But we're not loading too much this week, and we're really trying to make sure that these guys leave this week and they feel good. They feel like their bodies have been taken care of. Um, so I, I think there's, there's two kind of thought processes in, uh, in sports performance coaches' minds on what a bye week should look like in the weight room. That's my personal philosophy on it. So when you and I talked in the summer, the freshmen had just reported they had been there for like a month, and you were telling me they you treat them a little different. You kind of get them worked into your program. So where are the freshmen now, and what have you seen from that group? Yeah, so it's it's a little bit of, of both ways, right? When when they get here in the summertime, the reality of it especially is, as we continue to develop our program, is some of those guys you don't know, they might have to play, and then I might have to play a decent amount. And so – you want to kind of meet them where they are, but at the same point, you got to make sure that if 
if there's num if their number is called come August, come October, come they're they're physically able to go out and perform on the football field. So in, in a way, you don't slow cook it maybe as much as you'd like to um, in the summertime because there are to me there are boxes you have to check to get them ready to play collegiate football if if that might be the case. Um, so do we set a foundation? Absolutely, unequivocally, yes. But there is a piece of that as well that we probably move a little faster at times um, because of what I, how I would answer your question next, which is we kind of reverse engineer it in the season. So once we know that a, a freshman or a younger guy is going to redshirt, he's not going to play um, this season, we'll really slow things down. So we will, the, the, the minute details of, you know, we kind of talk about in the weight room, our, our, our four um, ideologies of movement is, is number one is we want to teach them great positions. We want to teach them great movement patterns. We want to teach them to move at the speed in which we want the bars to move. And then the last, the last box to check is, is load. So we'll start loading weight. Well, if we don't do those first things when they're young, as far as teaching them the right positions to be in when they're, for example, squatting, teaching them the right movement pattern once they have those positions, how do they move throughout that range of motion? If we don't get those foundational things done, then we're, we're really setting ourselves up for, for a tough next three to four to five years. And so really when we get in season with those freshmen, we, we kind of slow things down and kind of hit, hit it in reverse a little bit. And we'll back up a little bit and we'll really reset the foundation. Cause you look at it, you, you're really with camp you and, and bowl prep, you really almost got 20 weeks to do so. So if we're still laying that stuff down come January, boy, we didn't do a great job in season taking advantage of those guys. And so, um, that, that's where we are for the majority of those, of those young guys that aren't traveling and, um, and aren't playing and, and doing those things for us right now, laying that foundation. We've kind of, like I said, hit the brakes, hit reverse a little bit with them, and we're really trying to, to lay a solid foundation so that those guys come January can just, just run out of the gates. You know, something I wanted to ask you, um, Leipold said and I, uh, last January, he wanted to be a more physical football team. And, and I know it started in the spring, and just by the eyeball test, I don't think there's any doubt that this team's more physical. How do you play a part in that? Because the coaches only get the players in the spring and then in fall camp. And I just assume that as the strength and conditioning coach, you have to help in some development of that. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of things, right? And, and it's all got to work cohesively together. And it certainly doesn't only help hap, uh, happen in the weight room. As you know, too, the the idea of the idea of the mindset of physicality is as much as it is anything. I think the other piece of it is confidence. Okay, so how do we do that? Well, we we strategically do hard things in the off season, and we we challenge these guys in a lot of ways this off season mentally. And it doesn't just mean what what people would think of of militant workouts and those those type of things, but we challenged our guys harder than than I would say I've ever challenged a team in my career off season wise of what, what we required and doing the, the other part of it was, was the confidence piece. And once again, if you go back to kind of when we talked in August, if you look at our, if you look at our, our average body weights, if you look at our strength numbers, you look at our speed numbers, well, we're a lot more confident football team because we're going out there and, and, and we're manned a lot, a lot more evenly than we ever have been before. Um, and so I think those things all go into them feeling like there can be a positive outcome in our physicality. And then obviously, you know, we were intentional in spring ball about it, about how, how much we're going to hit, how we're going to demand those things. 
Um, but I think it's, it's, it's probably those three things, right? It's, it's the physicality um, of the, the mental piece of it. It's having the confidence to think you can go out and do it. And then it's actually doing it. It's practicing it. It's what are you doing in, in practice in spring ball and camp to develop that. So obviously there's a lot of components of that. That's, that's a piece of nutrition. It's a piece of training. It's a piece of, of how you practice with the football coaching staff. And so there's, there's a lot that goes into developing a physical football team, um, and, and I think the weight room is certainly a piece, but it's 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 uh, it's just a piece. You holistically got to have that whole uh, ideology through the whole program, and, and that's where Coach Leifold's so unbelievable. Is he he demands it, um, he sets the tone for it, and uh, and ultimately, obviously, is the one that that uh, is, is responsible for it. You know, when a recruit comes to campus, I talk to several of them when they leave, and and I've had some of them say, I ask, hey, what impressed you? And some will say, boy, I really like talking to the strength staff or seeing the weight room. Talk about your role in dealing with the recruits and talking to them. And I mean, I'm sure you talk to all the guys on their unof- on their official visits. And I don't know if you can get yeah. to every one of them. But just, just talk about your role dealing with recruits when they come on campus. Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's most importantly, it's, it's when our recruits come on campus – and they come and, and they meet with, with me and, and the strength staff down here, we are going to paint an extremely realistic picture for them of what this is going to look like. Because the last thing we want is to trick a young man into signing to come here, and this isn't what they signed up for. And so um, I've actually had a parent before ask me after a recruiting presentation of, of you know, hey, that's, that's relatively harsh and uh, realistic aren't you afraid to, to scare recruits away I said scare who away if that <laughs> if the things I just said about hard work and what we do on a daily basis to to make you the best version of yourself if that scares you away then we did our job because it ain't it ain't gonna work we we know that so when you come here like if there's a pitch if we're if we're selling like that's what we're selling you on we're selling you on the process this is how we go go about it there's going to be a standard academically, nutritionally, in the weight room. There's going to be a level of expectation for you on a daily basis. That's not easy. And are you willing to meet it or are you not? And at the end of the day, if you're a survivor in life, if you're okay with mediocrity, if you're okay with entitlement, you're not going to fit into our program. If you want to earn everything you get and you love competition and the idea of where you're at in life right now, if that angers you because you want to find a way to get better, and you want to feel what the best version of you is, if that excites you, don't look anywhere else. Kansas, you're going to love it. Because I promise you one thing, we're going to demand that out of you every single freaking day you walk in this weight room. That's my guarantee to you. And so am I afraid to scare someone away by saying that? Like, what? like no. So we're, we, we recruit very, very transparently, and I think that's all the way holistically through our entire program. And you hear that same message, not just from the weight room, but from the nutrition staff, from the football coaching staff, from Coach Light, you're going to get that same message in our program. So to me, when you get recruited by Kansas, it is an extremely transparent um, thing you're going to experience with us. And that's not that doesn't change. When they come down in the weight room, we're going to tell them what we do. We're going to tell them how we train. We're going to show them that if you train like this and you meet these expectations, your body can do these things. But I don't guarantee anything to anybody. I have never once ever sat a recruit down and go, listen, you come here, I guarantee you I'm going to turn you into a Big 12, all Big 12 defensive tackle. 
ain't going to happen. There's one person that can do that, and that's you. Are you willing to do these things? If so, these are the things that can happen because of that. But if, you, if you're looking at me to, to be that magical pill of, I can't make you do anything you're not willing to do yourself. And so if, if you're willing to meet these expectations, yeah, but we don't make guarantees. We don't guarantee playing time. We don't, we don't do that. You come here, you meet the standard, things are going to work out really well for you, whether it be here or most importantly in life. We, we believe that. So in, in a nutshell, every, every official visit, you know, we, we sit down, we meet with them, we go through that, we, we give them the whole rundown, but we are extremely transparent. There, there is nothing we're trying to hide. There's no tricks we're trying to make. We tell you what it is. And, and either you hear that and you go, where do I sign? Or you go, whoa, these guys are a little off the rockers. I don't know if I can do all that. So it, it, it really depends on, on them. But they're going to have a very transparent experience when they come here and get recruited. Uh, that's some great stuff. What a great answer. So my last question for you, I know you just said something about nutrition. I don't know that people know you have a pretty good background, <laughs> strong background in nutrition. And I know you, I'm curious what your involvement in with, with Stacy Potter and how you guys do things there. Cause you're more than just a strength and conditioning coach. Just kind of t- touch on that. Yeah. Well, I think first off, I, I you know, hats off to, to Stacy and, and, and her staff. And she has a full-time assistant as well, Megan McCann, which we, you know, we have two full-time nutritionists for just football. Um, I think the, by far the, the, the thing that I would, would never try to replace about my career and how I've come up is, you know, I was in the, I was in the Mac conference for the first eight years of my career. Um, and so I, I had to be everything. We didn't have a nutritionist. We didn't have a nutrition budget. We didn't have you know, any of those things. And so for me, I had to, to, to get a nutritional certification. I had to, to study nutrition in, in the depths of supplementation and, and, we had to find ways to provide those things for our athletes, you know, and, and whether it was my time at Akron or my time at Buffalo and, and those things forced me to get incredibly creative, but there was also that I didn't want to be the reason our athletes weren't succeeding. So if they had a question on nutrition or needed guidance in nutrition, I wanted to be able to give them or be able to find the best answers out there. And so I was extremely diligent about educating myself um, in those, in those things. But at the end of the day, you know, I, we, we joke around about it, but, you know, I, I can remember at one of our last stops, you know, you look at, at the lunch budget, right? Well, you know, we have a, we had a $7, a $7 a head budget to try to feed our, our guys lunch. Wow. You, know, you think about it, especially nowadays, you start, you start laughing, but so you find ways to make that stretch, whether it's, you know, you work with companies go, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll bring you in eight times for lunch. You can knock it down from $9 a head to $7 a head. You know, there, there's, there's ways you take, you know, you take dollars out of, out of other budgets that might be, you know, from university base and you try, you know, so there's, there's ways to get creative with that. But I say all that to say like, you know, once you get here now and we have two full-time, you know, dietitians on staff, we have this budget that we have here. I believe what we are able to do here is, is unbelievable. And so I think for me, what I, I would say I do in, in the day to day is, is just facilitate that part of things, right? I, I think Stacy and Megan, you know, they're in the trenches up in every meal with our athletes. Um, and, and I would say what I do is, is help bring the, the mindset and the lens of, of how we had to look at things to get things done um, and provide those resources to our guys, you know, when, when, when we were coming in, you know, coming up in the Mac. So 
I think that, that once again, it's just perspective. It gives you a totally different outlook on those things. Uh, and all in all has been, I think, tremendous um, with, with, like I said, with the, with the incredibly hard work of Stacy and Megan and the nutrition staff here, here at Kansas. I, I, I really feel really, really good about um, the individualized approach and resources that every one of our athletes, you know, get here. And, and, and they're going to need to continue that because we have to continue to develop, you know, by, by no means have we arrived. We have made progress, but we got a long ways to go still to get this program and to get our athletes looking and moving the way that we really want them to um, at the, you know, at the end of the day, and I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this is I think this is really, really cool. So um, for us, we, we create athletic profiles for each athlete on this team and we have, 43 KPIs, so key performance indicators, where we set uh, a point system for my, you know maximum velocity miles per hour, their ability to decelerate, their body fat percentage, their a-lactic capacity, which is their ability to repeat high-level sprints, their aerobic capacity, which is their ability to recover between bouts. But you name those kind of – we have 43 different ones. On our, each athlete on our team gets a athletic profile score. So they're getting immediate feedback on their nutrition, on their accountability, on their conditioning. And there's, a, there's an ideal athlete that we're not just saying we'd like to get our athletes better. How ambiguous is that? We actually have a measurable athlete that we are trying to create at all positions. So on a daily basis, I know my job. We have running backs, tight ends, quarterback, you, you name the position. We have an ideal athlete of what does that guy look like? You put it all together, what is his body fat? What is his body weight? What is his bench press? What is his squat? What is his clean? What is his vertical jump? How much force can he produce? And we have that, and we have those scores. So we know where we're trying to take our team, and we know where we're at. We know we're making progress, but we got a lot of work to do because I'm not going to rest until we have guys that are getting pretty damn close to that elite-level, cream-of-the-crop type athlete. I know we have a lot of hardcore KU football fans that listen to our podcast every week. I think some of them are probably going to re- ready to run through a brick wall for you right now. So, uh, Coach Leave, man, great stuff. I appreciate you joining us on the bye week and giving people some great information to listen to. Yeah, and, and like I said, anytime I, I can help, I'm more than happy to. I, I really, really appreciate you and and uh, all you do as well. So, any anytime I can help you, you please don't hesitate to reach out. Just great stuff from Gildersleeve. Kirby, Kirby, it seems like this program is is in great hands with him leading it. You know, any, any college football coach will tell you that the strength and conditioning coach is, is maybe the most important guy on your staff because he's the one that sees your guys every single day. Man, I'll tell you what, after, after talking to him and just hearing the passion he has and how much he loves that job – mm-hmm. God, he, I was ready to throw some you know, helmet and shoulder pads on and go, Coach, where do you need me? You know, he, that's the, the the great strength coaches. That is exactly the way they are. They know how to motivate. They get you fired up. And and it's it, they're different kinds of cats. It takes a special guy to do that job and especially do it at the level that Gildersleeve is doing it right now. So, you know, you put it on the message board. You, you said it perfectly. It's the dreaded bye week. You know, it's like you said a minute ago. We would love to play just to get that bad taste of the, the loss at Oklahoma State out of our mouths, but there's nothing we can do but but sit here this weekend and, and watch everybody else hit the field. Let's look back over the first seven games. You know, what do, what do you take from the really the first half of the season? 
You know, Randy, it's it's been a little different because, again, we're kind of playing the Jalen Daniels, Jason Bean game, who's going to be the quarterback. But, you know, outside of that, I think this team settled in on who they're going to be. Um, you know, I still think they can play a little better defensively at times. I definitely think they're a more physical team. Um, but, you know, I think they're either on schedule or ahead of schedule. And when I say that, let, let's turn the clock back before the season started and look at all of our fans and our readers on our message board and what everybody pointed to what non-conference game did everybody say is the huge game Illinois okay the Jayhawks win that game mm-hmm. so you 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 look down your sheet of paper at the games and it's either a win or a loss i would say that most every KU fan in a best case scenario would probably have the team at 5 and 2 right now that's exactly where they're at, okay? Yeah. Some people may have said, okay, they're not going to beat Illinois. Because Illinois came into the season with a lot of press clippings, a lot of fanfare, okay? We all knew that going to Stillwater was going to be a hard game. That's before the season. When, when we sit here and try to figure out the wins and the losses and we do our predictions, we knew Stillwater is going to be a tough game. Now, in hindsight, we look at it now and said, geez, is is Oklahoma State really a better team than Kansas? I don't know that they are. So I think there were two pretty even teams. Oklahoma State had the home field advantage. So I just think that when you look at where things are, Randy, if you would have told most Kansas fans at the beginning of the season, Kansas is going to be 5-2 and two going into the bye week, I guarantee you most every KU fan would have said, I'll sign up, I'll take that. So, you know, you just got to get that one more. You got to get that big number six and then climb from there. So I th- personally, for me, I think they're right on schedule. Okay, John, I'm going to put you on the spot. You know, five games left. Tell us about each one. Kind of give us a preview and, and your forecast on, on how you see this playing out. Ooh, ooh, that is putting me on the spot. Um, Well, obviously, next up, Oklahoma. It's going to be a tough game. Okay. No doubt. Um. Oklahoma moves a football, they play defense, and they do things that I don't know that the Jayhawks like, and they move fast. They they are the fastest team that KU will see all year. They hurry up to the line, they get the playoff. I, I know they just lost a receiver, but they still have guys in space that can make plays. That's going to be a tough matchup. But listen, two years ago, Everybody said it was going to be a tough matchup, and KU gave everything, gave Oklahoma everything they could handle. So, if I had to look at that game right now, edge to Oklahoma as we look at it right now. Then you got at Iowa State. I'm going to, right now, as we do this podcast, I'm going to give a very slight edge to Iowa State. Okay. The games in Ames, Ames is another place that the Jayhawks just always have to fight and claw to play well or put themselves in a chance to win it is just it's been one of those places and Iowa State always plays well against KU there Iowa State is like Oklahoma State to me they've righted the ship they've kind of turned it around all of a sudden they've got a quarterback they're playing defense they look pretty good I'm going slight edge to Iowa State but that is a winnable game for KU and then we go at home Texas Tech, I like the Jayhawks here, just looking down the road. Now, again, we don't know what injuries are going to look like. We don't know what, what's going to happen over time. Texas Tech's been playing out without a, one of their best D linemen, without 
two of their best linebackers, without one of their best safeties. Their quarterback's been hurt. They say he may come back. Their starter quarter, the starting quarterback's lost for the year. So they've had some injuries. So the question mm-hmm. is, is what do they come to Lawrence like? Are they healthy? Are they banged up? But I do think, after seeing Texas Tech, I think that's a game the Jayhawks are going to be favored in. And right now, I'm leaning they can win that one. Then you got the big one, the last home game. Kansas State comes to town. And again, these are two teams that are hard to predict. Uh, you know, it's it's funny, Randy. Mm-hmm. After the Central Florida game, my phone was going off from Pete, longtime KU football friends I've had, and oh my God, we're we're taking it to Can. We're gonna we're gonna hammer Kansas State, right? Because mm-hmm. K- Kansas State had just lost to Oklahoma. K State runs for three hundred ninety nine yards against Central Florida, and after that week. It's a feel good. It's a feel good moment for KU fans, right? Yep. Then last week happens, and KU goes on the road and loses to Oklahoma State. K State goes on the road, impressive win over Texas Tech, and now all of a sudden the Techs are, oh my god, oh my god. You know, <laughs> I, I don't like the game against Kansas State. It's just so funny how things change from week to week. So it, to to me, right now that game's in Lawrence. I almost think it's a toss-up. Right now, in my mind, you flip a coin. And then the game the game that I would seriously, I, I have no idea, is the last game of the year at Cincinnati. Cincinnati is a team, I've watched it, I've posted on the board, they, they are hot and cold. And if they're hot, you're going to be in for a dogfight because they have a big physical O-line. Mm-hmm. They can run the ball. They've got a physical front four. they got a couple guys that will play in the NFL in the front four. But you know they got a new coaching staff. The guys are still trying to figure things out. They've got some portal players. They look a little undisciplined at times. So you know those are teams Kansas can sometimes expose, especially with their offense. So that game's a little far out. I, I say right now maybe slight edge to KU, but golly, you get you get out there and it's twenty five degrees at the end of November. It's in and Cincinnati. It, it's going to be cold, no question. Oh yeah, I mean you just don't know what it's going to be and. And at that time, you also it comes down to who's healthy. So that's kind of my snapshot of where I I see uh, these next five games. All right. Now we heard from David Abijan, and that was big news from the recruiting trail, especially on the bye week. What else are you hearing right now? What else you been following, John? Well, Randy, this is the you know the bye week, so you got guys out on the road, so they practice a little bit, and then guys will head out this morning, Thursday morning. I know. Peterson and Leipold, they're going to Phoenix. They're going to go watch the Desert Edge guys play. I know Panagos is headed to Dallas. Uh, Chris Simpson's going to go to Atlanta and then head to Detroit. I know Scott Fuchs is going to go watch Harrison Utley play in Oklahoma. Uh, Borland, I believe, is going to Chicago. And then he's supposed to see a Juco game on Saturday. And Onatolu is going to be in the Wichita area. Those are the guys I've tracked so far. I'll have more information on the board um, here in the next couple of days where guys went and I'll be tracking that. And, you know, Randy, one, one of the things I've been looking at and I, I've been trying to get prepared for, cause I, you know, I think we're headed for another crazy portal season and before you know it, it's going to be here, but listening to Hawk talk and I was listening to Rob Ionello and he was kind of talking about how they manage the board and figure uh-huh. out who they're going to go after in the portal and all this. If you look right now and, and I've dissected this and I've laid it out. If you look at who's leaving the program, who we know is graduating and leaving, 
and then you look at the commitments, it's almost a one for one right now. Okay. So for the, how many of our players are committed compared to how many players are leaving, Mm -hmm. it's even Steven. So if that happened right now and nothing changed, I don't know that they're going to have room to go get a guy in the portal. Okay. So there's going to have to be some movement. I don't know if some players are going to end up deciding to enter the portal or how this is all going to work out, but it's, I think November and December is going to be interesting because like I said, right now, everything is perfect. They have a commitment right now for every player who's graduating, which means right now that number stands at zero. So mm-hmm. we're going to have to see how that plays out. And it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun, but it could also be nerve wracking to see where these numbers end up. No doubt. That is the final word. And that will do it for this bi-week edition of the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We talked recruiting. We heard from the latest Kansas football commit with breaking news from David Abijan as he committed to the Jayhawks this evening. Uh, We talked with Matt Gildersleeve, got an update from the Kansas Director of Strength and Conditioning. We previewed the second half of the season. We looked back at the first half. We've gotten you as ready to sit on the couch and watch other teams play this weekend as we possibly can. Hopefully we make that wait just a little bit easier. And, you know, while you're on the couch watching everybody else play and you're thinking to yourself, man, I would give anything for some coverage, some really great coverage of the Kansas football Jayhawks or the Kansas men basketball program, head on over to jayhawkslant.com. There is no better time than right now, especially on the bye week when you're going through Kansas football withdrawal, to become a member of the premier destination on the internet for Kansas Jayhawks sports fans. Everything you need. Basketball coverage from Shea Wildeboer, football coverage from John Kirby, and some occasional noise from myself. It is the place for Kansas football fans. If you're listening to the podcast and you've never checked out the slant, I'm telling you, you're missing out. Lots of great conversation, lots of passionate Kansas fans for you to interact with, and the best coverage that you're going to find anywhere. For my man John Kirby, I'm Randy Withers. You've been listening to the Inside Slant podcast from JayhawkSlant.com. We will talk with you again soon. This has been a podcast from JayhawkSlam.com.